Oh, well, there you go, listeners. As promised, you asked to hear from him and I've tracked him down for you. As I always try to do, get the artists on the line that you request. And uh, you did request several times uh, a singer, songwriter, actor, an incredible talent that had two huge hits in the 70s, Mr. Marty Roan. How are you, Marty? I'm well, thank you, Phil. Thank and thank you to those uh, listeners of yours who uh, wanted to talk to me, or at least hear from me. Absolutely. Look, the way it all came about was I was playing some of your uh, songs that you've been posting up on Facebook, which was the um, bed- bedroom... Um, Oh, what did you call it? Bedtime. The Bedtime Ballads. ballads, That's it. The Bedtime Ballads. And uh, I played, I I, I shared that sort of stuff on Facebook with a lot of my listeners and I got a bit bit of a response from some people living in America and um, I actually thought you were in America. Otherwise, I would have got you on the program much, much earlier. And to our great delight. uh, Yes, go on. You know, I was just saying I was up until... uh uh, late March this year, but it, the the whole COVID thing, like uh, many many other Australians, um, had me flying back to Australia because with something like this, mate, it's the best place in the world to be. Yeah, look, Australia's a great country. How long were you in the US for? Um, I went there in uh, January two thousand and seventeen, yep. and I, I was living I was living in LA initially, and then I moved to New York in two thousand and eighteen. I spent 12 months in New York, and then I went back to L.A., and it was uh, while in L.A. Um, that I flew back to Australia in March. Okay. That, that was, what, when the COVID sort of started to hit the country pretty big and you thought, I better get out of here while it's while I can still fly out of here. Well, that's true. I was talking to um, people back in Australia, and, and they were saying, listen, mate, that's, uh, things are bad here, and, and nothing had really opened up in L.A. It, it was business as usual. Uh, and in many cases, it's still business as usual in America. But within the space of about 48 hours, uh, shopping uh, queues formed, people started to get twitchy. And my uh, my son, my youngest son, who lives in Salt Lake City, said, Dad, you better get out of here because I think if you stay much longer, you won't be able to. And he, he was pretty much right. Yeah. And then, of course, we saw all the news reports here in Australia with people looting and doing all sorts of stuff and... I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty scary. I'm glad we are in Australia and we're not as sort of, I don't know, as some of those people over there. i got friends who live over there and they're telling me that they're scared to walk down the street sometimes for fear of getting shot or robbed or mugged or something. I mean, there's nothing like that in Australia. I think you've got the greatest yeah. country in the world here, that's for sure. We have. We have, uh, you know, and I mean, just just the, uh, the whole, the, I, I won't go into too much detail, no. but the whole, the whole gun thing there is um, is something that I've never quite got my head around because, no. look, I, I don't knock anyone for holding a weapon if they've got a good excuse for it, but the very fact is you can walk around the streets there with, with guns, <laughs> I think it's the best place to be. Oh, yeah. I don't understand the mentality of that at all, and as far as I'm concerned, they can keep that over their country and, and, and we'll just look after our own land. Absolutely. So, Manny, just tell us, before we get on to this new album that you brought out last year, which is which I must say is an incredible album, Jealous of the Sky, it's called, just tell us a little bit about your early career. Like, you had these two big hits back in uh, 75, 77, Denim and Lace and A Mean Pair of Jeans. Now, were these songs that you wrote yourself just for the listeners or did somebody write these for you? How did they come about? I wrote A Mean Pair of Jeans, but Denim and Lace uh, was a song that was offered to me. And this is the, this is the big irony. 
was offered to me as a country song and, and probably one of the worst demos I've ever heard in my life. And um, my publishing company at the time said, look, I, my, my A&R man said, look, I, I think this is going to be a hit. And, and I, he played the tape and I said, are you serious? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was really a terrible demo. Right. But he obviously heard something in it and he said, well, it, it, what do you reckon? I said, well, I'm not going to record it like that, that's for sure. He said, what would you do with it? And I said, well, I'll, t- I'll turn it into a, a rock song, a full-on mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, raunchy rock song. Yep. And uh, so I went home and I, I created that whining guitar riff. I changed the whole feel of the song. Yes. Uh, mind you, I never cut myself into any royalties, which was a really dumb thing to do Ooh, at the time. Yeah, but you live and learn. Yep. Um, and, and I recorded it, never expecting it to be anywhere near the the, the, the hit it was. I yep. mean, the second biggest second biggest selling single in Australia in 1975. I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. Yep. And then after that, of course, I did I did write uh, a mean pair of jeans and so on. Okay. Okay, and and now you're kicking yourself for not getting the royalty because that's obviously where a lot of where the money comes from, isn't it? The bucks people buy it and then they download it and they play it, and the more you've got invested in it, the more return you get from it. So, well, if I if I'd known back then what I know now, yeah. because what happens is writers give songs to an artist. Let's say they might give an artist a song to Taylor Swift, or they might give a song to Pink, yep. and then. Uh, Taylor or Pink will say, well, look, I think we should change these two lines. That'll be 50%, thank you. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not saying that's the exact figure, but yes. that's the way it works these days. Jeez. You know, the, 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 the writers uh, are encouraged to submit the songs, but the artists themselves then um, use that as a, as a means of earning even more money as, as co-writers, and, yeah. and that's pretty much the way the system works these days. Fantastic. Okay. Okay. I'll have to. I'll have to write that down and make a note in case they ever want to write a song. <laughs> um, now you've had a you've had an incredible career, Marty. Over over the over the years, you you've done stage work. You were in um, Godspell. You were, you went to London. You did a production, a London production, alongside Yul Brenner, the King and I. What was that like working with a working with a man of that um, of that sort of profile? Well, I think that's arguably one of the uh, the biggest highlights of my career. If you can imagine uh, a young fellow from uh, Sydney, Australia, flies to uh, England, flies to London in 1978, totally on spec, no idea what I'm going to do or, or, or where I'm going to work. And then about six weeks later, I get a call from my London uh, uh, agent saying, uh, look, would you be interested in auditioning for The King and I? Well, I knew about The King and I because, you know, my mother had been a, a, a musical actress, so I knew about The King and I. But I said, oh, because I, I hesitated because I'd gone to England to further my recording career. Mm-hmm. And, and I went, oh, yeah, well, well, who's in it? And he said, oh, a little known fella called Yul Brynner. what <laughs> <laughs> When he said that, of course, I went, holy, yes, holy moly. Of course. Um, and I auditioned, and then seven auditions later, I had to audition seven times, which wow. was unbelievably stressful. Uh-huh. And the final the final audition was for the great man himself. And um, thankfully, he gave me the, the nod, and I spent the next uh, 18 months doing one of the most fabulous musicals of all time and arguably the greatest musical theatre in the world, that's the London Palladium. For sure. With, with a 52-piece orchestra, full houses every night, with, a, with an amazing 
uh, English cast that had included uh, Dame. Uh, uh, oh gosh, I've suddenly gone blank. Mm. Um, Oh, dear. How can I have I'll, I'll never live, live this over. That's oh, okay. Virginia McKenna. Yes. Virginia McKenna. How yes. could I forget Virginia? Yes. Um, and, and so it was like it was like coming into uh, was coming into heaven every night. And, and uh, you know, I used to I was living in uh, in a sort of outer London, and I'd catch the train in every night because it was the best way to get through the London traffic. And just going off to the theatre every night with a skip and a step and a smile on my face, you know. How good, how good is that? Fantastic. So so how did you feel when you first stepped on that stage? Were you nervous? Were you just thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing here? I'm in London. I'm at the Palladium. <laughs> it's a packed house and I'm working alongside Jill Brenner. I'm in the wrong movie. I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't wake me up, please. No. Um, my very, the very first scene of the, of the production, I'm in the very first scene uh-huh. when, uh, when I'm the ambassador from, from Burma who brings his, his lover to hand over to the king as, as, as the king's mistress. You yes, know? And, yes. Uh, that, and I'm in the very first scene. So I walk on stage and there's the great man just standing there with his hands on his hips and his mm-hmm. chest thrust out. And I thought, oh, am I dreaming this? <laughs> you know? It's, uh, it was wonderful. It would have been such a thrill for you, for sure. Yeah. I can, I can. You can only dream of things like that. And then you got into movies, and and I've had a look at some of the uh, some of the on your show reel on on your. Uh, MartyRone.com, which is good for the listeners to go to because you've got so much incredible information on that, and you've you've got a show reel on there. And I notice you do lots of different accents and can play so many different characters. How did that all come about? Well, when I was an only child, which I was for about 10 years until my sister and brother came along 10 and 12 years later, and we were living in Darwin. My father was a musician and was working at night and working during the day. And uh, I was often left to my own devices. And rather than feel like a lonely uh, underprivileged child I, I used to which I wasn't I used to amuse myself by doing cartoon voices wow and and uh, that sort of thing in my in my bedroom in my mm-hmm. spare time you yes. know, <laughs> uh, and 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 do all of that sort of stuff and it it's been such a, a bonus for me now when I get to play a Russian or I get to play an East European or a pompous Brit or yes. an American. I've, I've done a, quite a number of American things. Yes. Um, it, it's just you, you're lucky to have that extra bow, you know, because it, it, does, yeah. uh, it does help. Absolutely, absolutely does. You, you certainly are an extremely multi, multi-talented person. I mean, not only the acting, but the singing and the, the songwriting and so on and so forth. Well, look, I'm just going to take a short break from Marty, folks, and we're going to be back, and he's going to explain to us all about some of these great, incredible songs on this brand-new album, Jealous of the Sky. All right, listeners, well, we're back, and Marty's still on the line with us, and he's going to tell us all about this brand-new album that he that he released last year, 2019, Jealous of the Sky. Now, tell us a few things about it, the album first, uh, Marty, and then I want to ask you a few things about a few tracks in particular. Okay, well, I as I mentioned earlier, I went to uh, L.A. in early 2017 to further my acting career, mm-hmm. and... At the same time, I'd, I'd shortly before that time been offered a song called Graceland on the Line by 
two very well-known Australians, yes. Johnson Peters and Johnny Young, who oh. who co-wrote Graceland on the Line. Okay. And I was approached to record the song because they, they'd written it to commemorate the, um, uh, I think it was the 45th anniversary of Elvis's death. Yes. Or something like that, yeah. or 50th anniversary of Elvis's death. And... He sent me the song. Johnson Peter sent me the song, and and I loved it from the moment I heard it. But I said, John, I'm not a country singer. And he said, No, mate. We we want you to do it because we think your voice is perfect for the style of the song. So, cut a long story short, I recorded it. Um, I released it. I did a music video for it, and I released it just before leaving for the US uh, as a single and as a video. Right. <clears throat> And I'd been in America for about, it would have been no more than maybe four, six weeks. And I got a call from Gavin Wood, who you'd know from the countdown days. Yes, of course, yes. Who, 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 who loved the song, loved Grace on the Line. And Gavin said, Marty, I've got a couple of people I'd like you to meet. He said, one's a record producer, David J. Holman, mm-hmm. uh, who lives in the Hollywood Hills. And he said he produced the Xanadu album and the Grease album. Right. And he was he's also Gwen Stefani's record producer. And I said, uh, wow. Yeah. I said, he said, why am I meeting him? He said, well, um, I want to play him Graceland on the line. So we went up to the studio and sat down and we got the video up on YouTube. And after the video finished, there was David and his uh, business partner. And when it finished, they looked at each other and one of them turned to me and said, um, love the song, really love the song, love the video as well. We'd be very interested in signing you to our new label. And we said we were looking for a country singer. And I, I didn't say anything about not being a country singer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hush your mouth. Yep. Um, and uh, they said, we'd love to produce your country album and we'd love you to release it on the label. So I went, okay. And he said, but uh, well, there's one catch. We'd like you to write half the songs. Okay. Well, my my brain is racing at 100 miles an hour because I'm thinking to myself, Marty, you haven't written a song for nearly three decades. You've never written a country song. Yes. What do you say? And, of course, I just said yes. Yeah, of course. No problem. Um, <laughs> and then about a month later, uh, so that was all put in stone, right? Yes. And about a month later, I was flying back to Australia on the plane. I thought, what am I going to do? I've got to write six songs or co-write six songs with Alan. So I immediately thought of a couple of the best songwriters and most successful songwriters in this country who I could work with. One was Garth Porter. Yes. From Sherbet. From Sherbet, yes. Sherbet. Yes. And he's been so prolific. He's written hits for Adam Brand, for Lee Kernighan, for mm-hmm. so many country artists. Had so much success. So I rang up. Um, I rang him up when I got back, and I also rang up Rod McCormick and his wife um, Gina Jeffries, mm-hmm. who are also very successful songwriters. Yes. And I arranged to uh, spend a week up in Sydney writing with them. Cut a long story short, I wrote, we had a good thing going. One of the songs I wrote with uh, Garth and two other songs, um, Colin Buchanan came in and co-wrote uh, one of the songs. And then I I wrote a couple of songs with uh, Rod and Gina. Right. And it was while I was up at um, their studio on the Central Coast that they played me Jealous of the Sky. Yes. Which is a song that they had written. Uh, with a, another writer called Max Bennett. And when they played it to me, I just thought, wow, what a song. Um, the, the whole sentiments of the song. And, and I've had so many people email me and say, 
what the song means to them. Yes. Because, as you know, it's a song about loss. Yes, of course. About losing a loved one. Mm. And it's just had such a profound impact on people that I decided to call the album... um, Jealous Jealous of the the Sky, sky. yeah. And that's how we got there. Makes perfect sense. Has anybody ever said to you, because I've listened to this album twice just today, um, that there's a real sort of Orbison sound to your voice in some of these tracks, like Jealous of the Sky, for example, and um, even Graceland on the line, and not through the entire song, but some of the verses I kind of think, gee, that sounds a lot like Roy Orbison, you know, is. Is that something you tried to do? Has it just happened? or No, I, it's just happened. I never tried to copy anything. No, no, no. I don't mean copy, but yeah. there's this, this, this yeah. way you, you know, the intonation and the and the way you carry some of the notes and things. I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is so much like the, the big O. And I'm sure when I play these tracks on the weekend, I'm going to get that sort of response. So no one's ever said that to you? Well, you're... No, not really. I okay. mean, people said to me, people said to me, gee, yours and Cliff Richard's voices are very similar. Yes. Which, uh, which they are. Yes. But no, nobody's really ever said that to me, but okay. you might have noticed that one of the songs I did on Bedtime Ballads yes. was Crying. Correct. And that's I, an Orbison song. Yep. I have been a huge Orbison fan. Okay. And it's interesting that you say that because one of the songs on the album, which is Turn the Light, Turn the lights down. That's correct. Um, to me, sounds so much like an Orbison song. Absolutely. I was going and to ask when, you that. When I finished it, uh, that was written by myself, Garth Porter and Colin Buchanan. Yep. And when we finished writing the song, um, I think it was Colin turned to me and he said, you know, mate, you, we could we could have offered this song to Roy Orbison. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's so much like an Orbison song. So you're very perceptive. Sir. Absolutely. Because when I was, li- as I said, I listened to the album twice just today. I just did it back to back. And the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, I hear Roy Orbison in there. And I thought, no, I must be, I must be just imagining that. And then I played it again. And then I just wrote down some notes as I was playing it. And turn on the, turn the lights down. I've, I've written Orbison in bright red ink and giving it like four four stars to say i can't not mention that because it sounds like orbison to me so much and definitely a song he could have sung for sure you know yeah yeah i wish he was still around to sing it oh look absolutely <laughs> we've lost a, a legend there indeed and what about the great going back to the graceland on the line because that's that's kind of got the real elvis ballady feel to it doesn't it yeah it has it's it very much Again, it very much is a, is a song I think uh, Elvis could have uh, recorded, and uh-huh. it's in, it's interesting since since I um, since I re- recorded and released the song, I have had messages from about oh around ten to twelve Elvis Presley fan clubs around the world who've actually uh, um, got messages to, messages to me through the websites commenting on how much they love the song and. and you know that I've uh, I've um, paid homage to Elvis. They were they were absolutely chuffed. Well, definitely, definitely um, a very heart found and um, and soulful song that you've that you've obviously attributed to the King because yeah, he's the he was the greatest and always will be the greatest in my opinion because the man could sing absolutely anything, whether it be a rock song or whether it be a gospel song. He just the man was gifted with so much talent, so to to pay homage to him 
the way you have in this song, you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, that's why they call him the king. Absolutely, and there'll, there'll never be another king. I don't believe so. I don't think they're going to – I think he was – a bit of a freak in that in that department, in that industry, in that singing, in that persona, the whole man. He had the whole package. I don't think that we're ever going to find another one like him. But um, no. now, what about this other song? Because this is another great one too. You know, we had a good thing going on. Tell tell the listeners because I'm going to play these tracks uh, a little bit later on, and I just want the listeners to know what the songs mean to you because everybody interprets the song differently. So. What does that particular song mean to you? We had a good thing going on. We had a good thing going for me. It's all about all of those great days gone by that uh, that you know we've lost. We've we've lost that that sense of innocence and fun, mm. fun mm. That, that we used to have. Every everything is so serious today, and there's, there's so much at stake today, and people get so stressed out. We had a good thing going. It's a song that I love performing. It's a we had an absolute ball doing the music video. Um, and, you know, I've actually, I received a message from someone on Facebook the other day who said to me, you know, I, I listened to, when I'm feeling down, I listened to We Had a Good Thing Going mm. over and over again. She said, because the lyrics, uh, part of the lyrics say so much about where we are today with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of the lyrics she referred to, but if people listen to the song, I'm sure they'll pick up on on the lyrics that mm. you referred to. We had a good thing going, good times overflowing. We yeah. had a good thing going way back when, you know? Yeah. Um, that, it, you know, that it's just a happy song that gives people a lift and, and it's it's one of the ones that, uh, that that I personally like off the album. It's a beautiful song and, I, and I, as I said, I wrote down some of the lyrics because you've got Elvis rocking at the, the, the county jail, uh, all yeah. night long, Peggy Sue, see you later, alligator, mashed potato, surfing in the USA. Those days are gone. Well, yeah, yeah you're probably yeah. you're probably right, you know, because uh, I would love. And I said this to uh, I said this to Normie Rowe. Uh, no, actually, I said it to um, Dinah Lee just last week. She was the guest on the show because we were talking about you know rocking in the in the late sixties, and I said, wow, if I could get into a time capsule and go back. To that time period, what a what a time to live, you know, the music, and you know, and not like today where you know people want to belch over the head with a bat. I mean, everybody was it was all fun and love and harmful stuff, you know. And yeah, uh, well, I I had, I had a conversation with uh, with a guy in the industry in in Sydney last week, and mm-hmm. we we regularly talk on the phone. And I said, listen, mate, when COVID's all over and done with, I'm doing a Capital City tour next year, but I wouldn't mind getting out in the regions, you know, to get out and and, and meet people. He said, well, mate, good luck, he said, because, you know, the, the, the shows just aren't happening at the moment. There are very few going out there, partly because of COVID, but partly because they just don't happen anymore. No. You no. know, and, and I have to admit, I've been out of that circle for quite quite a few years because mm. I've been doing mostly the major cities and in larger venues. But yeah. it's it's really sad that the opportunity to, to get out there and go back into all those country towns that we used to tour, yeah. uh, you know, back in our younger days yeah. where, the, where the people would roll up and, and be so appreciative of you bringing your show to the town, you know, they just don't have it anymore. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And even the big cities, I mean, with COVID at the moment, as I said, I was talking with Normie and Dinah and, and Jade Hurley and they had a, they had sellout shows this year 
and COVID destroyed that, and hopefully they're going to pick them all up again next year. But they're only playing the big towns. They're not playing any of these tiny venues that people would just love to play and and, and the people would love to see you out there. But it's just, I don't know, it's just entertainment's becoming a real dying thing, unfortunately. And it's so it's such a good thing. I love watching a live show, whether it be theatre um, I mean, I've not seen The King and I, but I've I've seen Fiddler on the Roof and uh, and a group of other ones. There's nothing more entertaining and 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 you know more pleasurable than watching a good no, singer we, perform or or a good live show. You know what I mean? But it just doesn't seem to be the thing anymore. Well, I did tour Australia in 2014 with the revival, the Broadway revival of The King and I with Lisa McCune and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Yes. But I didn't get to play the young lover anymore, although I tried to persuade the producers. They said, you haven't having me on. Um, uh, I played the Prime Minister, the uh, the uh, the King's Prime Minister. Okay. So I wasn't young enough to play the young lover anymore, I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, you know, it, it, uh, age comes to all of us, but, you know, the thing is age is only a number. And, and most of the acts that I speak to on this particular program – are all in there. I think Donnie, uh, not Donnie, uh, Lonnie. Lonnie Lee is probably the oldest one I've spoken to so far. He's like, he's 80. And he's put, I a, know. He put a new album out, um, which he sent me a copy of. And, I mean, the guy had, again, he had all these booked out shows. So age is only a number to, to them all, you know. Uh, Jade and Jade and Normie and, and Dinah, they're in their 70s, you know, sort of past the mid-70s. But you know what? These guys and girls absolutely pack a room, and and you would be the same, of course. But how rewarding is it to watch the audience's face light up and remember, you know, the days of of, of old time gone? Well, you know what the good news is. The mm-hmm. good news is when I was about forty five. Yes, I could not see myself still performing today. I, I thought, what have I got in the industry? Maybe another 10 years if I'm lucky. Yep. And the good news is that I've been, I've, I'm glad to have been proven wrong because mm-hmm. I have to say that I think I'm singing as well now, if yes. not better than yep. I've ever sung before. And that's very, very encouraging and very reassuring. And uh, who I, I wouldn't have thought that was possible uh, back when I was around 45. So you didn't you didn't think like when when you when you had this hit back in seventy five, denim and lace, no. denim and lace. Did you think you'd be still going in two thousand and twenty? No, not in a million no, years. No, no, I thought that was reserved for people like Tony Bennett. And, okay, okay, <laughs> you know people like who's still performing in his nineties. Can you believe? Wow, it? yeah, I can um, I can believe it. Yeah, and uh, I mean started with Sinatra, so that gives you an idea of how old he is. Mm, um, mm. But no, we just didn't. We just didn't. Uh, we didn't imagine. I think most of us didn't imagine that we'd still be doing. So we are very lucky. Thanks to uh, the people out there that have continued supporting us, we are very lucky that we're still able to do the things we love. Fantastic. So, have you got any desires to move back to America, or when when all this COVID stuff sort of settles, or are you still going to just remain only in Australia and maybe go over there to work and come back? Because Brian oh, Cad, Brian Cad's moved yeah. over to the states, I believe now. He has. He's yes. living in Woodstock. Yeah, he's living in Woodstock. Mm. Um, I haven't got any aspirations to go back there right now. Thank mm. you very much. Mm. But um, I, I think the only thing that would take me back to America is if I got a, a, a an acting role that um, that was of sufficient uh, magnitude, yes. um, if you like, or you know, a significant part 
that would uh, would be a, you know a good reason to go over there and at least do it. But you know, since I've been back and I've been back now for nearly six months, yes. Um, when I look at what's happening in the rest of the world, even though we're still in lockdown here in Melbourne, yep. I still think to myself, you know, we are so lucky to live in this country. Yeah. And um, there are there are a lot of Australians coming back now. You know, of Australians that never thought that they would would come back to Australia um, in the short term. People that I've known who've lived overseas for decades um, are back here now. And uh, I think it's a, it's an indication of just what a great country this is. So I wonder what inspired Caddy to move over there. Is he doing do – do you know much about what he's doing over there? Is he writing lots of material for American artists or, or what? Well, I'm, I, I can only presume that he's writing because yeah. he, he, he's not really in a position to work, although they, they are a little bit more flexible mm. with uh, with their social distancing. And I, you know, I think it's just one of the reasons that they got so many problems over there. Yeah. I do know of uh, friends of mine, you guys who worked on my US album, who still perform in the outdoor, but they perform almost uh, exclusively in the outdoors, but they're still performing in, in, in sort of with numbers, with people around, not huge numbers, yep. people around. But I, I really don't know what Caddy is doing, but he's always loved America. Yes. And, um, you know, that's where he wants to be now. So... Good luck to him. Good luck to him, yeah. Well, I understand he recorded his last album in Nashville um, for Silver City, which he brought out last year. And I actually thought that Jealous of the Sky was recorded over there in Nashville, but it wasn't. It was, it was recorded in Australia, I, I believe. No, it was recorded in uh, Hollywood. Oh, in Hollywood. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. The whole, album, the whole album, with the exception of uh, Graceland on the Line, was recorded in the Hollywood Hills of oh, Cactus wow. Studios. Okay. Oh right! Oh, wow, I've learned something there. I, I I thought it was recorded in Australia, and you went over there to promote it. But I think that was you went over there to promote the single, didn't you? Um, I right. went over there to promote the single, recorded yeah. the album in the US, yes. and released it simultaneously in the US and Australia. Fantastic, and and, and Europe, yeah. Well, matey, this is a great album, and I'm going to give it a lot of airplay. And the thing is, where pe- where can people get it? Because I don't want to steer people to these platforms where you get. Normie Rose said, you know, three and, three and eight, eight, eight pence or some blessed thing from the platforms. I mean, do you find that with you? Do you do you get lots of money from the, the, the you know, the various platforms like iTunes and Shazam and Spotify and all this stuff? Or, or you know, do you make it more sort of financially viable for you by selling it on your own website? Because that's what Normie's doing at the moment. Well, I get I get uh, lots of sales on those platforms, but yes. I get very little money, and that's uh, why I'm going to say to people, yep. if they want if they want to go to my website, yes. which is Marty Marty Roan yep. Music, yes, that's dot, right. dot com, yep, it's got it's got all of the albums listed there. You can you can buy it through the website, and mm-hmm. you you uh, pay by PayPal. It's uh, PayPal. It's very safe, and nobody's had any issues with it whatsoever. Yes. Um, the other place that I would recommend, if you if people just want to download it, yes, um, and is probably where I, as an artist, get the best return, yep. is a website called Bandcamp. Okay, one word, Bandcamp. Okay, and I'll make it's, a note of it's, that. It's, it's, yeah, it's a um, it's a website which is uh, takes less 
percentage out of uh, away from us and provides a really great service. Mm-hmm. So it's either Bandcamp or, but I would recommend doing it through my website, Marty Rain Music. Marty and Rain you'll music, see all the, yeah. you'll see all the music videos there. They can see all my music videos on yeah. YouTube as well. If they want to become a subscriber to my YouTube channel, I have ah, my YouTube okay. Channel. So to become a subscriber, they can then look at the videos. Yeah, they can. They can go to YouTube, become a subscriber, and mm-hmm. they can look at all my videos, including mm-hmm. all of the bedtime ballad series. Now, how many have you got in the bedtime ballad series, um, Marty? Because you, I think you sent me four, um, which were the ones we spoke about. Have you got more than that on there, or just that four? Yeah, I think I think from memory, Phil, I think there are about seven or eight. Okay, okay. Because um, the ones you sent me was crying. Um, what were the other ones? I'm trying to think now. Um, I'm trying to remember what I did. I'm to, crack. Yeah, oh. I'm just trying to refer to my notes here. You sent me, <laughs> oh, goodness me, I wrote them all down. Hang on. Uh, here it is. I've got that. You sent me Unchained Melody. Uh, yep. You've lost that loving feeling, crying, and you don't have to say you love me with the, with the four okay. you sent me. Br- um, brilliant songs. Absolutely fantastic. And um, your take on crying, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> If people haven't seen them, I'm going to refer them to to that, and they are available too. I notice you got an album here, um, which has got these songs on it. Are they originals or the ones that you put up on the bedtime ballads? Are they are they remakes of the of the same classic songs? No, no mate. The, the the original recordings are yes. on my website. The yes. bedtime ballads was all done live. Okay, all, all done. Live from obviously from my bedroom. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, they're, they're, they are the original recordings on my first. I think they're on my first love album. Yes. And uh, and the other album, I think there's a track on. I'm not too sure. I just can't remember at the moment. But if you go onto my website, you see all the tracks listed. You can still go to the Facebook and all that stuff, but uh, you can actually buy CDs via uh, the website. And yep. Uh, you'll get them within uh, within five to seven days. Fantastic! So even the bedtime ballads, we can uh, listeners can get them from martyrhomemusic dot com. No, they have to go to for the bedtime ballads. They have to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, which uh, which they can do very easily. They yes. can go to YouTube, uh, Google my name, and then one of my videos will come up and have a subscribe button. Just have to click the subscribe button, and you'll go and see all of the videos that are on there, including all of the bedtime ballads. Okay, so they can listen to them there, but are the songs available for purchase? Yes, correct. Okay, fantastic. All right, Marty, well, that's my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I know my listeners are going to be absolutely thrilled because, as I said, I only reach out to the ones that the listeners particularly ask me for, and I would have reached out to you a lot earlier had I realised you weren't in the US, so it's so good to have you back home. Can I just mention the sure. uh, the show that the show that we're hoping to bring to Sydney? Yes. You're in Sydney, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, State State Theatre, Saturday the sixteenth of April. Right. Um, it's my tribute to uh, Sir Cliff Richard, and it's called Sir Cliff and I. And over two hours of my career and Cliff's our parallel careers, because there's a lot of things that uh, are very similar about us. I do all of my hits, and of course all of. Cliff's great hits and a big production show. 
Fantastic. So just give me those details again so I can mention throughout the show. It is Capital Theatre, no, Theater. State Theatre, State Theatre. State yep. Theatre, State yep. Theatre, Saturday the, sorry, State Theatre Friday yep. the 16th of April. 16th of yeah. April. And tickets through the normal ticket agencies, um, Ticket Tech and ticket so on master. and so forth. Ticket Master. All right. Yep. I'll, I will make a note of that and I will make sure I play that uh, over the next couple of weeks and um, try and... Not that you're going to need any assistance, my friend. You, you, you are such a talent, and it's so good to have you back home. And wow, I can only just assume that you're going to be playing to a full house, but you just won't have your Brenner standing alongside of you. I won't have, and I won't have your Brenner. And let's hope I've got rid of my mask as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Marty. It's been an absolute pleasure for me and my listeners, and I do really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. No, it's been my pleasure, Phil. Thank you so much. All right, Marty, I'll let you go. Marty Rain, listeners, thank you.